0: A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we get to talk about the heart of the matter, which is love. The fruit of the spirit that leads the list. This is the foundation of all the rest. And this is the mark of the Christian life. This transformation happening inside of us. Uh, now we all know that this is hard. Okay, this doesn't happen naturally. It's a struggle. Uh, the good news is that Jesus is our model. The good news is you can see love in Jesus. And I read a study recently about unbelievers, non Christians, um, asked to describe Jesus in a couple of words. And I was so happy to hear that they chose words like compassionate, uh, kind, forgiving, altruistic, they said. They were saying loving. Many of them said loving. What came next, though, in this study broke my heart. Because they asked those same uh, non-Christian people, people who are on the outside of the faith, to describe Christians. Right after they've described Jesus, tell me what Christians are like. And what the study found was that 87% of people said judgmental. 87%. And 85% came up with this word, hypocritical. That's not how we're supposed to look. That's not who we're supposed to... We follow a loving Savior. And... Let's talk about this for a bit and um, the danger that this is, and then I'll tell you how I think um, people got here. Um, First of all, I was in Europe um, over the summer, many of y'all know, and we were always looking for a place to worship. And I think I saw this coming to fruition in Europe because half of the time when we would see a steeple, we didn't have internet, we didn't have the GPS, so we'd see a steeple and we'd be like, there's the church in this town, we're going to go worship there. And we would walk up and it would be shuttered, completely vacant, or it would have become a pizza parlor or a private home. Uh, there, was, there were so many churches that were malls because in Europe, Christians are a minority now. And the Barna group who did this research said that they've noticed a disturbing trend. This is the trend that people who describe themselves as Christian are becoming fewer and fewer as the generations move on. And those who say we are not Christian, the number is becoming greater and greater. You all that terrifies me because I don't want to just drive up and see half the churches in America boarded up or turned into pizza parlors. At the same time, if if this is what's happening and we're talking to people, Barna's talking to people who are outside the faith, more and more of those people have never been to church or have been to church where they've been hurt. And so they see the news. And they see people who picket funerals with nasty signs calling themselves Christians and they see... People who call themselves Christians burning the Quran or someone who calls themselves a Christian shooting a doctor they don't agree with. And if you've never met a Christian and all you see is the news, then you're gonna come up with judgmental. And you're gonna come up with hypocritical. And yet Jesus says, what's the word by which people are to know Christians? Love. And so how do we change this? How do we change this? It's up to us. And here's the good news. Barna is surveying nationally. And I know that if you asked people in our community already, you are touching their lives with love, with help, with compassion. And so some of you say, oh, I'm wearing my We Believe shirt, and I'm talking to the lady at the barbecue stand, and she says, you go to that church? They're always helping people. Some of you say, how do I talk to my friends who feel like they want to get a stick and beat people because they're a Christian? You know, like, not literally, but they want to beat people over the head with their faith. I say, you live with love. That's the way you change the dialogue in our community and in the nation is you. You're the ones God has. I'm the one God has. We get to determine what the words are here on the south shore of Lake Travis. And the word that we're shooting for is love. They will know you are mine, Jesus says, if you love. It's a choice, right? It's a hard work of transformation. But notice that word if. If. If you don't, then the words that characterize your life are going to be hypocritical and judgmental. If you do, then we can change the world if you love. Now, let's talk about love. Um, We have the one word in English, right? I say, I love dark chocolate. My husband says he loves the walking dead, okay? And then we say, I love you, Anna. I love you, Leah, my daughters, right? I say to my husband, right after I said I love dark chocolate, I say I love you. I've been married to him 17 years. Do you think it's the same? More than dark chocolate. Just saying. Just saying. More than dark chocolate. (laughs) Just a little bit more, but it's more. In Greek, they didn't just have one word. They had at least six. Six in common use. And So I want us to think about this. I'm going to tell you what they all are and then know when we read our Bible in English, there's all this rich tapestry of love and all these different words that give meaning in the Greek. And we get to English and we're like, love. Well, in Greek, they had eros, which is passionate love. They had phileo, which is friendship love. They had ludos, which is playful, joyful love like the kids with the ball. They had pragma, which is long-standing love. It's like the love um, of a couple that's been married 50 years. They had storge, which you would use about the the deep affectionate love you have for your children, your grandchildren. Then they had agape, sacrificial love. And the word agape is not used a whole ton in classical Greek love, in classical Greek society, right? They would pick a different word. But in the Bible, it's agape love through and through and through. Agape. C.S. Lewis says the best way to describe agape, this sacrificial love is a gift love. A love that isn't dependent on if you deserve it or not. Um, A love that doesn't, it's not if you're, you know, you know this person, but it's even extending to strangers. Love, agape love. And when Jesus says, everyone will know your, my disciples if you love, guess which word this is? It's agape. When you sacrificially love each other. And this is why it is so hard and so wonderful to be transformed by love. is because we're not naturally made to agape um, hateful people people who have made a mess out of their lives, people who have stuck a knife in our back, we're not tuned to love them until we tune into Christ. And then we realize that Jesus loved everyone. He loved Matthew who was sitting at a tax collector's booth in the middle of robbing people. He loved him. He loved the woman caught in adultery. He loved criminals and misfits and people who were on the outskirts of society. He loved foreigners like Samaritans. Nobody loved them. He loved the people who spit on him. He loved the criminals who mocked him. He loved them. And when we hear our Lord saying, you have to love, this is the kind of love. Agape love. And I want to say, I see you doing it. I see you loving. And we can offer this kind of love in ways that are small and great. You can give this love today. You don't have to, like, plan and schedule it. You Today, agape love. Um, especially, you guys, in the wake of things that are so violent and so hateful, like what happens in Paris, our response is to show the alternative to step in with love and love can take 1 minute give 1 minute of agape love it can change somebody's day 1 minute <clears throat> what can you do you could hug somebody I, I mean that can be so restorative mother teresa said love begins with a smile I still remember being a teenager. I was in the midst of a shopping at North Star Mall shopping. I was in a foul mood. It was a bad day. It was a hard week. And this woman walked out in front of me, and she turned, and she smiled at me. It was the most honest, true, genuine smile, and that was 20 years ago. I still remember it. You can smile. You can take your friend's hands and say, I want to pray for you. Tell me, and we're going to pray a minute. You can, there's so much you can do. One person said, you could just think, I'm not going to be critical. You could just change your attitude inside with one minute. What about an hour? Um, That's the vow that we promise God, is that every week um, we would give an hour in love. That's service. That's what that is, an hour. What could you do? Oh, what could you do? You could work at Helping Hand Crisis Ministry. You could be the person who smiles and greets people as they come in the door for the first time. You could teach a child, like, remember when Rachel gave her testimony and she said, I'm new to the church, but I love my teachers because they made me feel welcome here? You could do that. You could read to a kid at the elementary school. I mean, it goes on and on and on. And the hope that I have that I've shared with you is that when all of us, all 560 active members of Bee Creek decide we're going to love, we're going to show agape love to our world, then every week our community has 560 hours of examples of what Christianity means. That changes the world. You can give a day. Um, You do it. You guys, we are overwhelmed to say that um, not as many churches have been responding to Wimberley. It's just kind of compassion fatigue. But Bee Creek has had two groups of people for the past two weeks repairing homes in Wimberley. Some of you come for a day. Some of you come for a morning. You know you don't even need the training to go love and serve. What a witness. What a witness to go to Habitat and build a home on a Saturday to say I'm going to give this day to these strangers so they can have a home or to go clean the home of a single family, single parent family in Apache shores a day. A day is powerful. I have to go back because I just saw our flood buckets. The kids did that in an hour. Our kids have made 25 flood buckets with an hour of their time and they're making 25 more today. An hour. What about a week Um, I'm so proud of our youth because our youth decided they see us loving and they're like, we want to do it too, right? And so they decided we're going to spend a week in San Antonio up on roofs and in homes that are falling apart to put them back together again. Do you think that week changed people's lives? It sure did. Um, The week that we spend, many of you, men's and women's team, at an orphanage in Guatemala. That changes lives. The week that our disaster response team has been spending every year since 2007 in an area hardest hit by a natural disaster with people who have lost everything saying, we're going to help you rebuild. Our gifts, our small gifts of agape, our large extravagant gifts of agape, this is who we're called to be. This is the mark of the Christian life. There is no greater one. This is who Jesus says, when the world looks at you, the first word that they say, who is that Christian they are loving? And so I want to invite, um, as a, to give their testimony today, um, the disaster response team who went to Wimberley. And as they come up, um, which I hope they do now, because I see them and I'm looking at them and saying now is the time. As they come up, I want you to know this was a choice for them. Um, they have nice beds, and they have homes that were not flooded, and they chose to sleep on cots and, and church um, floors and eat meals that were just given to them, um, and you're going to hear from them that not only were they able to be, to be to offer that love, but what happens when we love is it comes back to us. It transforms us when we love, and so I bet they're going to probably say about that too.
1: Yeah. benediction but what really matters in my life is what i do between the benediction and the opening song you know on our website it says our prayer that each member must make a pledge of their prayers or presence or gifts service and their story The reason that's so important for me is over 30 years ago i had lost everything I'd lost my home, I lost my family, I lost my job, and I lost my faith and someone reached their hand out to me, and I learned a new way of life and that new line, uh, way of life is just very simple for me it's trusting God, clean house, and helping others and Bee Creek helps others in so many ways. <clears throat> I can remember in two thousand eleven the spicewood wildfires, Bertina and I, we didn't know which way the smoke was coming, and we grabbed our two dogs and put them in the car, and we could have turned left to get out of the way, but we turned right and drove right up here. And I can remember the first person we saw was Kevin Hykus, and he was standing here. (laughs) Kevin said, we already notified the sheriff. Our church is open for whoever needs help. And there were dozens of people that kept on pulling up they say, gee, we need to go get blankets, we need this and whatever. And it's just the, the attitude of our, our church, it's a community, through love that we want to help other people. You know, after you spend a week in mud and sawdust and, and sleeping on leaky air mattresses and driving a mile or so to get a shower at the end of the day, It's worth it, because what we see is where, you know, there's hope where there was defeat, and there's gratitude where there was desperation, and there's light in their hearts where there was none at all. In the song Amazing Grace, where it says, when we've been here 10,000 years, uh, bright shining as the sun, do you know how many roofs are going to be leaking in 10,000 years? (laughs) So y'all better learn how to do that right away. And we need your help right now. Thank you.
2: As I was thinking about um, giving my testimony today, I, was, I, I, I thought about how the parallel between my job as a psychologist and my job as a mission worker And and that being that as a psychologist, you meet people where they are and you work with them right there. And that's the same way our mission team does. We meet people where they are. Disasters have struck and they have lost everything. People have lost their homes, their cars, their occupations, their lives. And so we go there, and we reach out our hand, and we say, we're here to help. I don't know if any of you have ever been that down and out, but if you have, you know what it feels like to have someone say, I care, I'm here, I'll help you. And so that's, that's kind of what we do. Um, and... God is amazing. He's given us the gift of love so that we can give that to other people. We have the capacity as human beings to care for other people, to reach out to them. And then we feel rewarded by that gift that we give to others. How amazing is that? Uh, And and then there's the bonus of doing mission work, and that is our team. 2007, we went to New Orleans after Katrina, and we saw true devastation there. And I really didn't know you or Bertina, or the 12 or 13 other people that were, were on that team But after a week of sleeping on leaky air mattresses and eating whatever food we could get and being really, really, really grubby and dirty and sharing. Well, we didn't share showers, but (laughs) I don't want you to get the wrong idea. (laughs) But it got real and it really got funny, too. I mean, so every year. Um, I look forward to working on this mission. Whatever the mission is, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go because I love people and I love my team. They have become dear, precious friends to me. So what does a day's work look like? We wake up in the morning early, uh, climb up out of the floor <laughs> and get dressed, have breakfast, go work our tails off, come back, have supper, play some mean dominoes, go to bed, get up and do it again the next day. And um, and there's a lot of really rich humor in this. Um, this past time, we worked on four houses in Wimberley. And... Um, that was four hundred and sixty four volunteer hours in case you want statistics and you can put a number to that if you want to, as far as value uh, The first house that we went to we arrived at, and the, the there was a little family who had been displaced uh, and they had now they were building their house up how many feet high up on stilts twelve feet twelve feet high now um, and you know they had gotten down to the very last workers there and there were just two guys that had been there day in and day out and they said that when we arrived they thought it was the Calvary coming in You know, it was just like, yay, somebody's here and, and so we really did a, a lot of really good work there the second house that we went to the house had been washed away and, and we put down um, flooring um, yeah, that's what we'll call it And then the third house we went to, the guy and the the couple there, the the fellow had just had a heart transplant back in January and had two toes amputated as well. The only way he knew that he was being flooded was his cats. This is like 1 o'clock in the morning. His cats started kind of going crazy. And um, he felt his bed, you know, kind of waving like this, and he was floating so we went there and we we worked on that house and then the final house that we worked on, Caroline's house. She was a single mom who had um her house flooded. Um and she has two, she has two teenage boys, 17, 18, and she had a little B&B there on the same on the same premises. She lost all of that. So she lost her livelihood, she lost her home. And she lost her courage, and she said when we came that, that she had not gone over to one of the cabins that we went to and, you know, cleaned out, mucked out. She said, I just didn't have, I didn't have the strength. I, couldn't, I just couldn't face it. But with you, I can face it. And so we're really eager to go back. We want to go back and help in Wimberley. And the need is is really really great we're eager to return we're eager to give the gift of love that God has given us you know first um, Corinthians thirteen thirteen and these three remain: faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love so I'm thinking about a childhood poem that I knew. I know. I still know it. A song is not a song until you sing it. A bell is not a bell until you ring it. And the love that's in your heart wasn't put there to stay. Love isn't love till you give it away. Thank you.
0: I think y'all have an idea of um, what they went through and, and what they gave and then how that helped people and how that love came back to them as well. But they've also made um, a little short uh, video of what they did, and so I'd like you to see that and let the banner over this be love and how it's shown in the world. So let's, let's watch. So you remember how Kathy said there was that lady who said she didn't have the courage until somebody from Bee Creek came to help her and then she could face it. And that's who Jesus is calling us to be. People who are there with love in the darkest hours of another person's life or just when they're having a bad day, that is who we are called to be. And that is the mark of a Christian life. So let it be said. When people describe you, you're shooting for the first word out of their mouths to be love. Let's pray. God, help us to become more like you are, to love, agape love like you do. Oh, thank you that you have loved us, that you have sent people who have found us in our darkest times so that we are not alone. And help us, Jesus, to be more like you every day, transform our hearts so that they would beat with love, with agape love that is sacrificial, that is a gift, and that changes the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.